bring a message tonight of a story that I dearly love in the Bible. So much told about it. Uh, before I read it, if I can remember right, it was Dr. Tom Malone. I don't, I'm not for sure it was him. But uh, he said, you know why the Jews uh, don't eat pork? It's because of these demons that was cast out of this man entered into them hogs and they kill all their hogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I laughed at Dr. Dr. Tom Malone. He can, man, I love to hear him preach. But he just keeps me on edge every time he preaches. Tonight, Mark chapter 5. I want to begin to read verse 1. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over on the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he saith unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, Say, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was a, there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all of the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And Jesus come to, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting in clothes and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they saw it, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerned the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, and uh, uh, the rest of it, I'll just leave off for now, but uh, what, a, what a wonderful story here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much. And so realize, Lord, we got a miracle uh, God. we got a miracle-working Savior. There is nothing in this world that you can't control. And I pray, dear God, that you'll help us to realize just how wonderful you are in this story tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Here in the story of the Maniac of Gadira, here's a story of a special touch uh, by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ of a maniac of Gadir. 
Verse 15 says the word afraid here, if you look that up and study it in the Greek, it simply means affrighted. They were simply scared and amazed and astonished that they were shaken by what they saw. Now, the reason for that is because this poor man had run around away from his house and stripped off all his clothes. Men had chased him down, tried to bind him. They put chains and ropes on him, tried to drag him back into town. But he broke the ropes and chains and almost beat some of them to death. He had a dark, demon strength. His eyes, his hair, his body were dirty and strange looking. The Bible said he had cut himself a stone, so he was bleeding and had sores. He was a very ugly, monstrosity-looking man, uh, uh, sleeping in a graveyard, if you would. People were scared to death of him. He was a victim and unfortunate of unfortunate creatures. Verse 1 says, Jesus came where he was by boat. Then verse 6 says, He ran to Jesus, and a voice him cried out. In verse 7, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of the Most High? Jesus ran uh, these demons, these legions, out of this man, many of them out of this man. And then there, these people came to Jesus and saw this crazy man once, but now sitting, verse 15. I read that. I, I like to look at words as I read. I like to study the words as you go, because every word has a meaning to it. Now think about this. A crazy person walks around and wringing his hands and babbles all the time. Now I know this because I've been to see some of them in, in places that, uh, that uh, I don't like to go. And, and by the way, if you study angels, if you need to get in the Bible sometime and just study angels. I'm talking about godly angels and the devil's angels. And the devil's angels don't have any bodies. They're looking for somebody to possess. They're looking for something to possess. That's why you find them here in these hogs, uh, these pigs, if you would, these swines, because they had nowhere to go. And that's the reason somebody come up to me here a while back and said, Preacher, do you believe in demon possession? I sure do, because I've seen people that I know something was wrong with them. It was way beyond any reasoning that we had, that me and the doctors that was dealing with them had. And so I do believe in demon possession. And what it is, these demons that fell, when Satan fell out of heaven, they have no bodies left, and they're looking for somebody to, to possess all the time. Now, you think about that for just a minute. The, the, this, the two main things tonight I want to show you. Number one, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself never, ever changes. He is immutable. He is unchangeable. Everything, everybody... And every circumstance Jesus ever came in contact with did change immediately. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. In the Old Testament, He said, I am the Lord, I change not. Jesus does not change in His attributes. James chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus does not change in His being. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all His ways with judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. He is God in the flesh. He is better than the rock of 
Gibraltar. He's the rock of ages. He doesn't change in his being. He doesn't change in his counsel. Now, if you came to Jesus and asked him a question, he answered, will be the same today as it always has been. That's the reason that I don't understand people uh, that have come to a preacher and they want the uh, preacher sometime to get on their side of the fence and sympathize with them about a life that they're living when God gives uh, uh, the answer to the very subject that they're asking about. Years ago, He said that in His Word. He said, Thou shalt not do this thing. And they come to a preacher. Now, get God to change His mind. And God don't change His mind. Amen? It's the same. If it was if it was way back in Moses' day, it's just as good as it is to be in you today. God's Word does not change. Now, thinking about that for a minute, because the Word of God liveth and abideth forever. Hebrews 6, verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the mutability of His counsel, confirmed by an oath. Then verse 18 says, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie. Jesus Christ, the immutable God, does not change, but He does change whomever and whatever He comes in contact with. And there are certain basic ways He does it. And I want to give you just some of the ways tonight, very quickly. Number one, by the impact of His Word. When Jesus speaks, things change. I was thinking about it this morning when I was preaching. It hit me while I was preaching about Lazarus. And I was I made a few comments about that. But at the same time, you think about this. Jesus spoke to Lazarus. He changed. He was dead. Now he's alive. Amen? You think about the blind in the Bible that Jesus spoke to and they saw. You think about the, the crippled people that Jesus spoke and they no longer crippled. When Jesus speaks things change by the impression of his walk when Jesus walks into a place suddenly everything in that place is different by the importance of his work when Jesus does his work he never uh, a man never leaves the same notice these three things the impact of the words of the Lord Jesus the impression of the walk of the Lord Jesus the importance of the work of the Lord Jesus number one the impact of His words. John 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. I've always believed that this book is alive. Amen? I really do. I, I was accused some time ago of using this book as my crutch. And it hurt my feelings. But you know what, folks? I believe this thing's alive. I believe it's God's Word. And I know one thing. When I read it to people, that Word changes them. I remember one man in particular I was witness to out of God's Word. I didn't know what to say to him. I just got through talking with him. I mean, he wasn't going to hear me. And I realized that. And I said, well, I guess I might as well leave. And as I was praying with him, as I was leaving, I quoted the Word of God verbatim out of the Word of God to make sure I didn't make no mistake in quoting it. And I went down right through the plan of salvation. I looked up, and here's that same guy that don't want to have anything to do with me. And big old tears running down his eyes. I'll ask you something. I can't do that. Amen? But God's Word can. 
And I realized something, brother. God's Word works. Jesus is simply saying here, the words that I give you will cause dead men to come alive, sick men to be made whole. For instance, Jesus said to a man, Take up thy bed and walk. And at those words, that man took up his bed and leaped and walked, the Bible says. And that man had not walked for 38 years before that. Imagine the impact of Jesus' words. Uh, They are spirit and they are life. He said to a blind man, receive your sight. And for the first time, a man saw things and people just by the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you took all the words Jesus spoke in the Bible, it would not be more than a 16-page pamphlet. Think about that just for a second. Now, we're living in a day everybody's writing books. Everybody's selling their books. Amen? But you think about all the words that Jesus spoke in the Bible, you put it in a 16-page pamphlet, and it will probably sell for about 35 cents today. All right? But think, think about that. Uh, 35-cent worth of going rate of the books are today. And you can preach the longest message Jesus ever preached in about 15 minutes. But every little phrase Jesus said and every word in it carries a stick of dynamite in it. It has a holy power about it. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Now think of all the millions of lives that's been influenced by those simple words. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Those are the words of Jesus. And you think of all the people in, in, that you can think about and millions that we don't even know about ourselves that has been affected by those words. Again, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Now, son, go work today in my vineyard. And preachers have preached God's Word for hours and hours on those precious words. Go work in my vineyard. Nothing confusing ever comes out of Jesus' mouth. Nothing uncertain, nor perhaps uh, no I think, or no jeering, no grumbling, no sob stories, no murmurings, no criticism, no half-truths, no cursing. Jesus said, My words are pure. One man said, no man ever spoke like that man. In Luke chapter 1, verse 22, they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. The Bible says he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. They said, I uh, presume, I think. Jesus said, this is the way it is. That's God's words. Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Jesus' words were the very words of God. Jesus' words will make you free from sin. And Jesus' words will judge you and I. And Jesus' words will make you clean. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctification comes by the word of God. You want to be clean? i tell you one thing. If you'll read God's Word, you'll be a cleaner Christian than you've ever been if you'll stay in it. Because the Word is purifying. The, notice the change in effect that takes place uh, centered around the impression of His walk. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, He that saith he abided in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. 
You know, I can't stand people that go around and say all the time how great a Christian they are. But then how, how do they walk? Jesus said, walk as I walk. Follow me. If you're saved, if you're walking in the Lord, then we are to walk as He walked. There is one thing that sticks out about Jesus' walk. When you saw Jesus, you saw everything there is about Him. There's no uh, veneer about the Lord Jesus, no put on, uh, no uh, just uh, fakeness about Him. He's for real. And when you see what you get, is what when you see Him, you see what you get. I like a man that one time told me, and it was the greatest compliment that he could ever tell me. Yeah, I, I met him down at the hospital one time making a visit. And he said, well, one thing about it, preacher, uh, I don't agree with everything you say, but I know one thing, you believe it, and you're real, and you're just common. You can't say no better to me. Amen? I mean that. Now, people were blinded in their own sins. They could not see. Jesus sometimes said uh, of His walk, Jesus walked uh, in the will of God. Not His own will. Not my will, but thine be done, He said. Jesus walked by faith. When God called, Jesus came. Just that simple. If Jesus does not uh, send me, I will not go. That's just that simple. And that's the way we ought to walk. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. Jesus offered Himself to the Eternal Father by the Holy Spirit. Jesus rose from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent us this same Holy Spirit to do His work in His power. Then notice His program. What a walk in the Scripture. Someone says to Jesus, What do you think about that? Jesus answered always, What saith the Scriptures? Do you know what the best thing you could ever do when somebody asks you a question? Thus saith the Lord. Just tell them what thus saith the Lord. Hey, that settled everything. Amen? Any question that anybody ever asks you. That's the reason. I, <coughs> I was under two preachers in my lifetime that uh, really served the Lord. I thought, and, and uh, uh, one was six foot eight, and he weighed 175 pounds, big guy, but he had an inferiority complex. I mean, you couldn't question him, boy. I mean, he got in the pulpit and he preached something, and if somebody come up to him and said, Brother, now, or, or, I didn't mean to mention the name, but he, he would come out and he would say, uh, uh, Brother, preacher, uh, you made a mistake there. Man, he'd have a fit. I mean, I never will forget. Uh, I won't go into that. It was one old fellow. He was, he, he was getting dementia come to church. And, and he would be preaching. He had a habit of saying, uh, what verse did I say that was? And uh, this old fellow would blurt out something every time. And he got to one and, and uh, he, he said, what verse did I say? And the old man blurted out it again. He said, no, that's not right. I didn't say it that way. That old man said, and let out a curse word and said, I thought I had it right that time. <laughs> and broke that place up. I'll never forget it. But you could, you could question him, and man, it would just blow his mind. Somebody would question me. Am I preaching? 
Then I had another pastor come in, and he was not even six foot tall, a little runt of a guy, and he had an inferiority complex. One too big, the other one too little, and he had an inferiority complex. You better not question his word. He got up in one time and everybody was against something. He wanted to have a, a vote on something in the, in the congregation. He got heard, uh, somebody was saying something against him about whatever he was going to vote on. He got up just before the vote and said, I tell you what, if y'all don't agree with everything, everyone that don't agree with me can get up and get out right now. And 600 people got up and walked out the back door. Now, I tell you what, folks, 600 people getting up and walking out of a church is a big bunch. Amen? But that's the kind of attitude he had, and that's the kind of inferiority complex he had. Did you know what? Jesus never had that. Jesus never had no problem with that. Jesus said, Thus saith the Lord, and left it there. You know what? I, I get I tickle at people to come up to me sometimes, and they want to correct me in my preaching. And you know what? I, that used to bother me a little bit when I first started preaching. I said, well, did I make a mistake? And I'd go home and worry myself to death. Did I make a mistake? Go through the whole sermon all over again and check it out. And one day I said, wait a minute. If you're arguing with me and I'm preaching God's Word, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with God. Right. Amen? And so help yourself if that's what you want to do. You don't worry me about questioning me if I'm preaching God's Word. Because God's Word stands on its own. And the Word of God, the importance of the work that Jesus did is found in John 20, verse 30 and 31. We need to understand this. Jesus did not come to raise all the dead people or give sight to all the blind people or to heal all the crippled people. Remember the, the one at the pool of Bethesda? you ever think about this? The Bible says there's a bunch of them around that pool. Only one of them he healed. That means he didn't come in this world to heal people that's crippled. That's not the reason that Jesus came to this world. Lazarus grave. Lazarus was dead. You think Lazarus is the only one around there dead? And I believe this, like an old preacher said one time, if he had not said Lazarus come forth, there would in that grave would have come forth. But he called him by name. Amen? And, and you think about it. He didn't come in this world to raise the dead. That's not what he came for. Uh, you can take that to any healing that Jesus did in the Bible. Jesus got Peter uh, and Paul out of jail. And John the Baptist had his head cut off while he was in jail. So he didn't come to get people out of jail. Now the reason for this is Jesus did not come into the world to have a healing ministry. Jesus did not come in to raise people from the dead. Jesus came in order that he might do a work. Every time Jesus did any miracle was for one purpose. John 20, verse 30 and 31. That, he might, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Here it is then. If you listen to the words of the Lord Jesus, you'll be affected. If you look to the work of the Lord Jesus, you'll be affected. If you watch Jesus as He walked on this world, you'll be influenced. Everything we say and do is to get your attention upon the Lord Jesus. Listen to Him. Watch Him. Come to Him. Believe on Him.
be saved, get changed for the glory of the Lord. I appreciate one thing about my pastor years ago. He said, Brother, don't keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And He will never let you down. And brother, that's the truth. And you know what? I love to watch Jesus. I love to watch Him at work. And I love to watch Him when He's working on people's lives. Because He does all the time. He's got a work to do. And He's going to do it. Amen? And I like people that think they can defy the Lord. Are you kidding me? He's God. And you're going to defy Him? He'll get you. Amen? I like it. You think you can get by with sin? He'll get you. He knows where you're at. You think you can just walk away and curse His name and do as you please and say, I don't believe in God? He'll get you. If you'll just read His Word, He'll reach out and tug at your heart strings and change your life. That's His work. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, would You bless us tonight? God, I'm so glad that You opened my spiritual eyes years ago to let me see the truth from Thy Word. How wonderful it is just to sit down sometime and read Your Word and watch Your work and watch Your power as it goes to work in people's lives. And Father, You said You're no respecter of persons. And Father, when I think of all the miracles that You did, and they're for a reason that You recorded them in Your book, and that's to encourage us, Lord, to realize how great You are and how wonderful You are.